This podcast is sponsored by PCBB. For over 25 years, PCBB has been providing high-quality, personalized solutions and service to credit unions and community banks nationwide. PCBB is more than a traditional correspondent bank. Offering a comprehensive suite of products and services designed to help you compete more effectively, including correspondent and international services, lending services, hedging solutions, and risk management advisory services, our goal is to help you grow and thrive in order to exceed your members' expectations. Learn more at PCBB.com. From the Credit Union National Association, this is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people. Credit Union ideas. Venmo, PayPal, Zelle, ACH. The list of payment systems goes on. And what can credit unions do to adapt to the rapidly changing payment landscape? Hi, I'm Yikan Yang, Digital Media Design Specialist at CUNA. And on this episode of the CUNA News Podcast, I speak with Alan Sukowski, Senior VP of Operations at PCBB, to address how credit unions can thrive in an ever-evolving payment landscape. We cover what instant payments are and how they work, the introduction of FedNow, and more. Enjoy. Hi, Alan. Welcome to the Kitty News Podcast. We're very happy to have you on. Why don't we just dive right into it and just start with a little bit about your background, your role at PCBB, and how you got involved with Faster Payments. Thank you for having me on your podcast, and I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you and, and kind of walk through these things. I am head of operations for PCBB. I've been with the company for around 22 years, and we're a correspondent that offers services to other financial institutions. About eight years ago, around 2015, the Fed started their Faster Payments Task Force. And we participated in that because we thought it was important that community financial institutions have someone representing them as the Fed was creating this product. And as an offshoot of that, the Faster Payments Task Force, as they kind of wrapped up their part of it, the Faster Payments Council came to fruition. And that was just kind of a logical offshoot of that. And it's more of a collective of consumer groups, regulators, financial institutions, and payment processors that collectively are getting together and, and have discussions about how they feel best to move forward with the faster payments marketplaces out there. So there are a number of existing payment platforms options out there for consumers and credit unions to use today. This market is changing and evolving very quickly. That can make it difficult for credit unions to know how to choose which solution is right for them and their members. So before we dive in too deep here, I think it'd be a good idea to clarify some of the terms related to the faster payments discussion we're having today. So that includes real-time, instant, and faster payments. All three terms are used in the industry, but what's the difference between these types? Can you And can you give an example of, of each one? Absolutely. A faster payment option would be something like same-day ACH, in the sense that you've taken a traditional product that takes a little more time to, to have the funds be where they need to go, and you've made it so funds travel much quicker that way. Real-time payments, it used to be kind of the generic term folks would talk about when they talked about you know the concept of instant payments. It was just easier to say real-time or RTP. Then the clearinghouse decided that they wanted to trademark that. So at this point, folks tend to talk about payments as being instant payments because the connotation of RTP or or real-time payments tends to focus more on the clearinghouse. And there's different flavors of it as well. And one of the analogies I like to use is that grocery shopping, right? In the old days, 
you'd hop in the car, drive down to the grocery store, you'd do your shopping and you'd head home. Think of that as your traditional type of payment. Then the next evolution of that was, you know, you could order your groceries and they could be delivered the next day, you know, and at this point, if you just wanted to buy a can of Coke, it could be delivered in, you know, in an hour. So you've had this gradual progression of things and you've had the same thing happen in the payments world as well. So is there not really a difference between real time and instant? It's just the clearinghouse copyrighted one of them? They, they trademarked, trademarked one of them. And how in the world would the government allow them to trademark that? I mean, it's it's like trademarking water, you know? It's a <laughs> it's like pretty broad term. <laughs> Right. So what payment platforms are available to credit unions today? There's actually a pretty broad, broad range of platforms that are out there. I think one of the most important things that the credit unions would need to look at is, is the question of whether or not it's a financial institution centric product or whether it's a product that is more focused on disintermediating the financial institutions. A perfect example of that, let, let's say, would be Venmo or PayPal. You have these technology companies that have created a payment product that works, but as an offshoot of that, that payment experience as well as the funds related to that are out of the financial institution system. PayPal is an example. You have a wallet that's associated with that, you know, and I could make a payment to you through PayPal and that fund would be in your wallet. You can't spend it at your bank, but there are ways you can use it. And it creates this secondary banking system that's out there, really, in the sense that the funds are out of there. Same with Venmo. It tends to have this, you have this outside wallet that's there. Institutions should look more at the bank-centric products, which tend to be Zelle is one, RTP from the clearinghouse is another, and coming out is, is FedNow. Really, as an institution, you want to focus on a product that supports your business model and doesn't necessarily result in that deposit relationship or that experience going to an outside third party that's outside the, the financial industry. So you said uh, FedNow is expected to launch soon, and it's being suggested that financial institutions adopt early. As a settlement provider and pilot participant of this service, what type of platform is FedNow? And can you share with us what the goal of FedNow is and how you see it changing the payments landscape? Think of FedNow as the telephone system, right? You have a way to, to connect people from one place to another. So it creates this payment rail that's there. And how institutions choose to use it is up to them as far as what use cases they might support and how that looks. The goal of FedNow was to create a product where every institution could effectively offer a, a similar experience to their customers without it being cost prohibitive and without it being something that's more focused to the larger banks that are out there. The product really focuses on addressing the, the, the key concerns that the stakeholders had, which was they wanted to, you know, the consumers as well as the, the, the institutions and the, the core processors. So one of the goals of FedNow also was to make it so it was something that the institutions could adopt and roll out relatively easily as well. So by the collaboration with the, the end consumer groups, the, the financial institutions of all the different sizes and the core processors and the regulators, they created a platform with the goal of making it something that would be able to be adopted and be rolled out for all, all of the institutions that are out there. One of the key things about the FedNow product is that when there's really two different rails for uh, parts of a payment message. One part of that is the message that folks use on their app. So I pull up my cell phone app. I want to make a payment to you. From our perspective, push a few buttons and you get something on your phone saying you've received $100 from me. And so 
that's the messaging component that goes through the core, which goes through whatever systems out there, be it Zelle or, or RTP. And it will be that way with FedNow as well. But from the settlement side, that's really where they differ. Because if I were to pay you using something such as Zelle, it's going to be something that really settles through the ACH realm. And so from a user's experience, you and I both believe that that's an instant payment. But behind the scenes, that money hasn't moved and it won't move until the next ACH settlement cycle for that file that's been created. And I think that's where a lot of the differentiation takes place is the user experience is always the same because you and I always are going to think it's real time, whether instant, whether whether it is or not. Then the settlement mechanism and the RTP has a different product set up, which is it's there's one joint account at the Fed where things are settled into that account on behalf of the respondents. And then FedNow is a little bit different in the sense that the financial institution will receive a real time debit or credit either to their master account or to their correspondence master account if they so chose to. And so really the differentiation for that is that you've created this product that from a customer perspective is an instant payment. And from the financial institution's perspective, it's also an instant payment in the sense that there's no credit exposure that takes place. Heaven forbid something happened to a bank and that ACH credit never posts or those types of things. And operationally, it's a little bit cleaner than the RTP product in the sense that financial institutions that receive these payments or make these payments, their master account is debited in credit or credited in real time as opposed to this other account. Now they have this other account they have to manage. Now that we can do these payments faster, is that just because the technology that does all those checks before transferring money, are those processes just faster or are there are multiple things that are making the process faster? So, so there's really two things that make it faster. The speed at which the whole front end, the, the messaging takes place, that's always going to be in real time. And that's in real time, whether you're using PayPal or Venmo or FedNow or any of these other platforms, because you have to have this process that lets the sender and the receiver know in real time that a transaction has been made. There's a lot of hops that that has to take if it's a, with, it involves a financial institution. An example, I make a payment to you, my institution's core processor has to make sure I have money, has to make sure I'm able to send this. It has to say, okay, where do you have your account? So then through that example, the FedNow service, my institution would ping your institution, letting them know, hey, Alan wants to make a payment. Your institution's core processor would then make sure, okay, do you have an account with your institution? And does your institution want to accept that payment? And if so, it sends a message back to my institution that really we've accepted this payment and then it settles instantaneously. And so really that piece is very similar regardless of what product you use, because you have to have me initiate something, my institution say it's okay, your institution receive it and, and, and post those types of things. And so really it's the settlement mechanism that really differentiates them in the sense that like we talked about, Zelle is ACH driven. RTP settles into this master account at the Fed that the banks don't necessarily have real time access to the funds. They, they own those funds in real time, but they necessarily can't necessarily move them around if they wanted to. Whereas FedNow, the institutions not only make the payment instantly, but they also either receive the debit or credit instantaneously as well, either through their master account or through their correspondence master account. So what are the challenges faster payments address for credit unions? The biggest one I think of is is retention of your customers, right? And an example, if, if your institution doesn't offer a, a real-time payment product, you're probably going to use one anyway, and be it Zelle or send money through Facebook, however you want to. Consumers and businesses are going to find a way to get the services that they want 
outside of the banking world if the if financial institution isn't able to provide it. So really, it's the biggest benefit is member retention. I think along with that, anytime you could settle things instantaneously, you avoid a lot of reconciliation issues. An example, Zelle, I make a payment, you have access to the funds, but your institution hasn't received it. So there's a reconciliation process that your institution has to go through to make sure they receive it. And if something doesn't come through, then there's this process to have to go through. The beauty of instant payments is that it instantly settles or it doesn't. And if it doesn't settle, then it doesn't take place. And so it really eliminates the issue component of it. And as these become more common and, and more transactions flow through them, obviously the value of that's going to grow over time there. The other part of what it does is that it enables institutions to adopt the technology that account holders want at this point, and it reactively keeps them more captive, and it helps the institution remain relevant. And the reality of it is, is that folks are going to use instant payments, whether it's through their institution or not. And so it'd be great if the institution could offer that and support what their needs are. You talked about a little bit about settlement already, but what about on the settlement side of things, do faster payments improve the settlement process? It eliminates counterparty risk, and that's really what what it's designed to do. You have, you know, albeit minimal. I mean, when's the last time an institution has sent an ACH file and not honored that? I mean, it's just an uncommon concept. But you technically you do eliminate that counterparty credit exposure because the money moves in real time, and so it does uh, provide a feature to the institution, which is it removes that credit exposure, no matter how minimal that is, right? Because your, your credit exposure isn't to Bob, your credit exposure is to that other financial institution. And so what about the more traditional payment rails like ACH? How do these new payment rails impact ACH and other traditional rails? Do they go away? That's a great question. And the answer to that is nothing's ever gone away. As many new things as you can create, that's just that many more you're going to have to support, right? We all thought checks were going to go away how many years ago and how does that happen, right? It just doesn't exist. Initially, I think there'll be minimal impact on the existing rails. I think as more creative use cases come out, I think you'll start to see some bleed off of some of the existing payment rails. But I think that that's really just going to be as the different use cases roll out. I think as, as an example, you know, people cut a lot of checks or use online bill pay to pay their credit cards, right? With something like FedNow, an institution can send out a request for payment along with that credit card statement electronically to their account holder. And they could uh, just by clicking process, the, agree to process the payment or accept the, the, the charge. And so really what you do is over time, as these use cases get built out, you start to see some cannibalization. But I think what you'll also see is I think you'll also see people making more payments in general. And because if it's easier for me to make a payment every single time I do something, it's I'll probably won't wait till I get my monthly credit card bill to, to pay off those 20 things, whatever it might be. You know, it might just be something I just decided that it's convenient enough for me to go ahead and pay for it as I go. So the answer is no, nothing ever goes away. Ideally, it helps convert some of that over to a more efficient channel to use. And so many things today are delivered instantly, instant movies, instant shows, instant likes, and instant ramen. So members expect the same from credit unions. How do some of their faster payment solutions in the market today, or those emerging, help credit unions deliver on that expectation? Well, I think it's just it's just common sense, right? It's you have to adopt something because your customers are going to adopt it whether you do or not. And so you need to get rid of the fax machine and start sending emails, right? It's just, uh, it's time to time to modernize the machine. And really, it's the idea of it being, you know, giving these benefits to the account holders, which is, you know, the Fed's going to start making their own payments throughout this, the Fed now. So really, 
you know, if your customers or account holders are receiving Social Security or, you know, let's say there's a disaster, they're getting money from FEMA or whatever that might be, it's an instant way to get things. And so just by supporting this, the real value is that the institution remains relevant because these payments are going to exist. Instant payments are going to exist, but if institutions adopt them, they're going to be viewed by their customers as being more forward thinking as well. The other part of it as well is I think that, and as we kind of get into some of the, the use cases, that it's really consumers will never pay for an instant payment, right? I mean, you you wouldn't use it if you had to pay for it, right? I, I, I mean, it just doesn't exist. The biggest part of this that institutions need to look at is how does this affect their business model? Because people send a wire, you charge them for it, right? People want to initiate an ACH through their institution's online banking platform. You know, most likely there's a charge associated with that. It's going to be very difficult to monetize this because folks can already get it outside the banking system for free. And this is one of those things that's really a race to the bottom as far as cost for the consumer piece. Yeah, I always wondered why I think Venmo and PayPal do this. They'll charge you like a very small percentage to get it instantly or you wait a few days to, to get it. But others, I think I've... I've used MetaPay or Facebook Pay. They don't charge you for an instant thing. So I always thought that was weird that they're kind of on the same level in terms of, you know, usage, but some of them you have to pay for that. No, it, it is kind of, and I think they've all developed their own business model, right? And a prime example of Facebook Pay, yeah, I, I've used it, but my gosh, I think they want the data more than they want the, the fee revenue, right? It's, I, think, I think that's really the, the issue with a lot of these tech companies as well. They, they, they have... You know, I, I think their motives aren't necessarily quite as pure as providing a, a financial payment product. You know, the Venmo wants to know who your friends are and who you're sending money to. Facebook wants to know what you're paying Bob for. And, and you know, it's they're subject to very different rules than we are. And so they're able to do quite a few different things that financial institutions really wouldn't be able to do. And so that other monetization piece doesn't really exist in the financial institution channel just because of the regulations we're subject to. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Thanks. Thanks for your thoughts on that. What are some use cases of faster payments for credit union members to improve slash streamline how they run their businesses? And I think that's a key part of it because I have quite a few conversations with institutions and their first response was, ah, I don't need a P2P product, you know, and so I'm not, they're not interested. And that's that's a fatal mistake because you need a P2P product because if you don't have one, number one, your customers are going to get it and you're not going to have that market share. And most likely, whatever P2P product that your customers adopt is going to expand to be a business model, but a business product at some point as well. And so you need to preemptively address that. But I think a lot of it was is that you need to look at what you're doing. You know, a lot of credit unions are really big in the consumer credit cards or they're really big in the auto loan servicing, those types of things. And so think creatively. An instant payment isn't just me paying you. An instant payment might be me sending you something asking you to pay me. And so you have these different uh, derivations of it that you can come up with. The credit card, the loan servicing, anything where a loan is a payment is due, it's a perfect use case for this. You, as an institution, can send out the, the auto loan you know, payment stub or electronically to the loan holder through FedNow. And that loan holder now can just click a button and either that app that they have or acknowledge that message in the email or however that might work, just basically accepting that debit. And that initiates a real-time payment to the credit unit. And because it all goes through the same system, the huge efficiency that the institution gets is that it's all reconciled in real time, right? Because if I'm sending you a request for payment and you respond back to my request for payment, my institution knows that they sent out that request for payment. And so really, you're able to provide that, the reconciliation piece as well, which is a huge efficiency 
that the institution gets. But there's some a lot of other use cases that account holders might like as well. And an example would be, let's say you have a business customer who's a dentist, right? And they, you know, obviously they're a consumer, so they're going to use it from the consumer perspective. But wouldn't it be great to be able to go to them and offer them some kind of product that could integrate with their billing product where through the billing product, they can send out through the institution requests for payment with that bill that goes out and then they could receive it real time. And I think that that's a lot of the, the use cases that are out there. The biggest value is going to be the ones that are focused on the financial institutions being able to charge a fee to help monetize this. And that's more focused on the business side of this. And so if the institution banks verticals, such as doctors, attorneys, whatever that might be, that you know have monthly billings, then that's where they're going to be able to help monetize that. But from the institution's perspective itself, it's a huge efficiency, right? Because now the institution can send out their credit card bills electronically, get payments back electronically, not have to worry about ACH rejects or waiting for things for online bill pay or someone transposing their account number incorrectly. You know, so there's two components to it. There's the cost savings and then there's the, you know, where can you get additional revenue from that? We've been focused on the domestic side of payments. What about international transactions? And I think that's a key thing a lot of folks overlook, right? Because I think we look at it to say faster payments, let's just focus on the domestic piece. But the reality of it is, is that there's a lot happening on the international piece as well. And one example or a couple examples of that are is Swift has their Swift Go product, which is a more, it's a faster payment product as opposed to an instant payment product where the beneficiaries receive the payments in a much quicker timeline. Swift's version of a faster payment product, it's service level driven and all the participants agree to process things faster. And so really that's really, that's their faster payment product. There's also some other ones out there that are more creative in the sense that they're tying local real-time payment systems overseas and trying to connect that somehow into the US-based payment products as well. And so if you could do that, in theory, you have a instant payment product in America that in theory at some point could tie into an instant payment product that's already overseas and exists. That is actually something that RTP is building out in the sense that if you, they're in a pilot right now, they expect to be live later on this year, where through the RTP network, you should be able to initiate some international payments to certain corridors to, to start with. And I'm sure they'll expand that once that gets a bit more traction. And so the idea is, Connect one real-time payment system in America to another real-time payment system overseas and just gradually build out that network. I said PCBB, we're also exploring that to support how, to figure out how we can support international real-time payments because domestics is just one component of it. And I think that that's the, the biggest part of it is that, you know, we've broken this down into domestic and international. And at some point, the concept of payment is a payment becomes a payment. And that's where it becomes ubiquitous. And it's really irrelevant as to where you are or where I am and what denomination of currency I need to pay you or, you know, it's just the fact becomes that as these local systems get built out and the next logical phase is how do you plug these systems in together? But that's really where the world's going. But you can't support real-time international payments until you can support real-time domestic payments because you ought to have the local component to it as well. What are the key steps credit unions should take when choosing a faster payment platform? I think that the most important thing is to decide what you're actually trying to accomplish by it. Are you trying to go after different verticals that might need certain functionality? Or are you doing it reactively to just to try and re retain your customers? And I think that's a big piece of it. You also need to look at what solution that's out there is going to best fit what you want to do. And you have costs associated with that. An example, 
RTP has a certain front-end pricing structure to use your plot product as as will FedNow and as your, your core will probably charge you a certain fee to, to use these. There's also this fees that the correspondents are going to charge as well to manage that settlement relationship for you. And so you need to kind of look bigger picture. What's that total cost of you supporting this product? And then from there, it really comes down to how are you going to compensate that? And what is the business model to support that? And that's what a lot of institutions are going to struggle with is how do they support that? A huge resource to go through or to look at would be the the Fed has put a out a guide that's a Fed Now Readiness Guide. And I would encourage any institution to to download that and kind of go through that and use that as their checklist of what to do to look at a real-time payment product. Whether it's the Fed Now product or any other product, it has some very insightful questions and things to evaluate as far as your preparedness and, and what it is you're trying to accomplish and, and what questions to ask, because a lot of folks don't know what questions to ask at this point, because it's such a new concept. All right. And any final thoughts or anything that we missed that you wanted to talk about? I, I think the most important thing is that an institution, talk to your core provider. If there's any delay in getting set up to provide an instant payment product, it's going to be with your core, because your core is the most complicated piece that's there. It's all the instant messaging that goes back and forth. It's all the verification, real-time OFAC checking, you know, account balance verification, checking all these limits. You can't have that without a seamless integration with your core. There are other technology providers out there that do support that if your core has a really long timeline for that. But that's the most important piece is talk to your core, work through the roadmap with them, but also see what their vision is for this as well, right? Because if your goal is to support this product to be able to send and receive payments and also use it for your mortgage servicing product, if your core's vision isn't to support that, then you probably should look at other providers that are out there. Once you go through that piece, the correspondent piece is relatively straightforward. Honestly, as a correspondent, there's a form we fill out, send it to the Fed, and that, and that establishes the settlement relationship where the funds would pass through our master account as opposed to the respondent's master account, because that's relatively the, the simple case. There's an internal process they have to go through. Obviously, a new product, it's a huge thing, adopting a new rail. So there's going to be this risk management piece. You're going to have to do you know, kind of an evaluation. How does this fit in with what your institution wants to do? And do you have the resources to support this? And, and then really, it's just figure out the most difficult piece is what's your business model with this? Because if all you're going to do is consumer-based payments, you're not going to make any money on it. You're, you won't even cover your costs. You know? And, and that's, that's the downside of it. So you have to look bigger picture to be creative what really makes sense from the business model you want to proceed with. And it might cause you to have to retool your business model around payments. Payments are going to go instant in real time and consumers are always going to want them for free. And so you need to do some soul searching to see how that fits in with the organization. But if you don't do it, you're going to become irrelevant to your account holders. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher Radio. This podcast is sponsored by PCBB, building and maintaining all the various different solutions your credit union needs to meet member expectations doesn't need to be complex and expensive. PCBB can help. Our full service solutions are designed to easily and efficiently meet the needs of both your credit union and your members. From correspondent and international services to interest rate risk hedging program, our goal is your success. Find out more at PCBB.com.